We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University. I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, so don't, don't make it. Charlotte, we're back. All right, welcome to another Buzz Beat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast here this is richie and i'm joined by lee as we recap tonight's game between the charlotte hornets and the celtics as the hornets did pick up their first loss of the season dropping to three and one Uh, this was an exciting game to watch and i wish it came out in a victory but towards the end of the game and obviously in overtime boston turned on on the offensive side of the court charlotte really couldn't generate a whole lot um, offensively, and that's probably something that we should talk about. But we're also using Twitter spaces here, so hopefully it's working. Uh, so if anyone in the room would like to speak, we'll definitely allow it. Lee, how's everything going? Well, it's like we were saying uh, right before we jumped on. It's it's a it's a weird feeling to take a loss. I mean, we've we've kind of uh, gotten accustomed to winning here in the early season, and uh, you know. To, to go down in overtime, I mean, the, the Celtics outscore the Hornets 18-7 to in the overtime period. So the score, uh, 140-129, really kind of uh, hides what an incredibly, like, exciting and back-and-forth game this was. Really, uh, a game that the Hornets led for, for most of the game. You know, certainly some bright spots, certainly some negative takeaways. So just kind of tell me where you think we should, uh, where we should get started at. I want to start with like the late late game execution here, Lee, because the Hornets have been used to playing from behind, right, and uh, coming back and playing fast, and that's just something that they're used to, and uh, they can play loose, they can play free, and uh, they don't have to think about half-court offense, but when they had the lead uh, in that fourth quarter, they had to slow things down, and, and really, who do you turn to late in the game? Uh, is it Gordon Hayward? Is it LaMelo Ball jacking up three after three after three? Like, did you like the decision-making there with LaMelo with some of those threes? Like, obviously they went in more often than not, but, like, sometimes it was just him pounding the rock, pounding the rock, and then just pulling up for three. So, so yes. I mean, I do think that, like we've talked about a million times in this podcast, LaMelo Ball shooting was way ahead of schedule last year, and I don't think that this is, like, now, it's his, his three-point shooting will regress to the mean a little bit, but I do think his shooting is very real, particularly off the bounce. And he also seems to be kind of showing himself as a, as a clutch shot maker, like an important shot maker. But that being said, Richie, 
I thought there were multiple times late in this game, particularly when he got the Robert Williams switch. Um, mm-hmm. I can handle the, the kind of, I can handle the kind of dancing step back three a bit more against Marcus Smart, but when LaMelo Ball has Robert Williams switched out on him, I think he's got to put the ball on the floor and go past him. When he did do it, Robert Williams almost fouled out of this game because, yeah, because LaMelo Ball would put the ball on on the floor and get past him and make a play. He kind of went away from that late in this game in the fourth corner in overtime. And I thought that was kind of a detrimental to the offense. The offense got really stagnant late in this game, intense situations. The the other quick point I'll make about kind of the stagnating offense late in the game, I think that's where the no P.J. Washington really rears its head because they had to play Plumlee a lot. Aside from kind of the hack of Plumlee we saw, it's just a, a lineup configuration and spacing issue late in the game when you can't go to that PJ at the five lineup. And I think, I think that showed up late in this game, big time. Yeah. And PJ was ruled out uh, before this game with a knee injury. Right. And, and to be honest, Lee, he's kind of been underwhelming to start this season. Like, it's not like he's been totally blowing it out of the water, but I think the, just like the theory of him out there and the spacing and his, ability to handle the ball and and create that theoretical spacing even if he's not shooting the ball as great as he normally has it'll come online eventually mason Plumley, not a good free throw shooter so they turn to that a couple of times and that's that's something that uh is going to play him off the court late in games especially in, in close games gordon hayward i feel like i feel like he needs to pick his spots a little bit more aggressively like it, it seems like he's playing a little bit too passive for my liking. And I think towards the end of the um, the game there, maybe they wanted to go to him, but it just didn't feel like he was really into the game. They tried to get him going early in the second half where they ran back-to-back plays as him as a screener to get him the ball. And uh, Schroeder fouled him a couple times and drew two fouls. But he does hit timely shots from here and there, but like it, he just... He didn't really like feel like he inserted himself into the game. And I, I think he was not a guy, to be honest with you, that I thought was going to be the player that they were going to go to towards the end of the game in that late game situation where they failed to inbound the ball. So what are your thoughts on Hayward this year in just terms of like his aggressiveness, his assertiveness? Like he's been a good passer and he's been a good, you know, facilitator and moving the ball and stuff like that. But it's not like the the Hayward that we're used to seeing where he's a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of that could be, you know, Hayward in a back-to-back, particularly in a game that's very, very much like a breakneck pace up and down. I mean, my head was spinning at halftime. This game was just up and down at a dramatic pace, really the whole time. So, I don't know. I'm not too, too concerned about Hayward. I think he's he's been like a – you know, like a B plus, you know, through four games of this season. But what I will say, Richie, um, and, and kind of one other point to that offensive stagnation down the stretch, we really didn't see very much of that Hayward pick and roll matchup hunting that we've come become accustomed to late in games. He did it one time late in the fourth quarter and got a really good look from the mid range, just didn't hit it, but it was a good shot. But like, you know, Brian has talked about that a ton. You and me have talked about that a ton. That kind of late game offensive hub calming presence, I didn't see much of that tonight. And I think that was just another factor on top of all the other ones that I talked about um, for this Hornets kind of 
late clutch offense not looking all that great besides a couple amazing threes that LaMelo hit. And and I think we, we'd be remiss to not, like, also quickly mention that Rozier, you know, Rozier is still not back in this lineup. He's still not healthy. Mm-hmm. He's another massive part of kind of late game shot making, spacing, movement shooting, all that, all that offensive action. Yeah, I still think the Hornets could have won this game knowing how yeah. they played, right? I mean, it, it feels like... Agreed. I don't know if I want to say like they lost the game versus Boston winning. I mean, I, I you can't really say that, but they did have control of this game pretty much midway through the fourth quarter. I think it was a double Correct. digit lead, like seven, six minutes left to play. Like they were up there and it's, again, it's hard to play with the lead when your whole mentality is just to push the pace, push the pace. And then when it gets late in the game, you're having to worry about half court offense and you've got to turn to somebody. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One thing, too, with the uh, the fast-paced offense, like you were talking about how, you know, it was just a pace that you just couldn't keep up with. Like, I was just tired watching them, you know, run up and down the court. <laughs> but one thing, too, is you got you to gotta manage minutes. You got to make sure that these guys are healthy. I'm not healthy, but they're more so, like, energized to go up and down the court because we saw a lot of tired legs, a lot of shots that hit the front of the rim, and that led to the Boston Celtics going the opposite way in transition. Also, too... I thought for sure Boston had more offensive rebounds than showed up in the uh, the box score here. A lot of extended possessions there for Boston. And I, I think that could be partly attributed to like the tired legs and like you go up and down the court and then you got to get back on defense and you're probably mismatched on somebody and then just like, okay, it's, there's a miss. Do I really want to go after it type of thing? Like I'm so tired from going up and down the court. So there's just some complications with the way that they play, right? Yeah, and look, I mean, and I know it was an overtime game, but still, every single starter played more than played thirty-seven minutes or more. Um, and 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 the only one that didn't was Lamelo Ball. He played thirty-three minutes, and I'm pretty sure he would have played, you know, thirty-five plus minutes if he wasn't in the foul trouble that he was in. So, you know, this these these are not excuses by any means. I agree with you. I think this is still a game that the Hornets did to a degree, let slip away, particularly that last possession of regulation. Like you've got the ball inbounding at half court, eight seconds left tie game. Uh, You you don't have to make the shot, but you have to get a shot there. And they didn't. And and credit to them for coming back and, and making a great defensive play to keep the Celtics from getting a good look as well. I think if you, if you truly were, were, if you were having a beer with this coaching staff after the game, I think that's the one thing that they would probably really harp on is the fact that you have the ball, 
you control your own destiny with eight seconds left. You can take it down to the wire and you don't even get an attempt like that. That's really what sticks out in my mind late in this game. And it's probably hindsight too, but probably people are thinking maybe they shouldn't have called a timeout and just play it out because and just gone the ball, after this. Yeah. gives them a chance to kind of set up their defense and stuff like that. Um, and I will say the Hornets did get away with an eight second violation there. They should never had the chance to inbound the ball. So I, I think it worked out to where the Boston Celtics got that steal. So, uh, we do have a speaker request from Danny Thompson, Danny question, comment, go ahead. Richie, long time to talk to you, my, my man. Missing your press conferences, my friend. Uh, great, <laughs> great spaces as always guys. But here's a question I've got for both of you guys. You know, we've watched what four games in the season. And I think this tonight was the third or the fourth game where LaMelo has gotten in foul trouble in the first half. Uh, I think it's the third game where he's picked up three fouls in the first half. Is it becoming an a, a, a alarming trend that he gets in his early foul trouble? I'm, I'm, I'm already concerned about the, 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 the ill-advised three-point shots, but is it becoming a little bit of alarming to you that he's getting these three fouls in the first half, which is just taking him out of rhythm in the first half? I think I think it's you know a little bit of an issue there, right? And I think uh, what's been masking that foul trouble has been Ishmael's play. Like he's been playing so well, and even and against the Brooklyn game where basically Lamelo didn't play at all in the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken, right? He like he just let right. Ish play the rest of the uh, fourth quarter because he was playing so well. And I think that's a luxury to have a player like Ishmael with the way that he's been playing. And I'd probably be singing his praises a little bit more tonight if the Hornets had won, but he just collapses the defense like crazy. Drives and kicks. He had this one play, I think, in the third quarter where he had like a Euro step and it drew in a couple defenders and he kicked it out to Jalen McDaniels for three. But to Danny Thompson's question, yeah, I, I think it's a little bit alarming. And I think, you know, your best player needs to be out there as often as possible. I know that some people are, you know, getting on JB because he doesn't get enough minutes. And we talk about managing minutes with the way that this team plays. But yeah, I, I haven't really looked too much into like why he's fouling too much. Like, is it over aggression? Like, I don't, I haven't really been picking up on that part. But I, what, what do you think, Lee? Yeah, so a couple things here. Um, I mean, Danny's right. So three of the four games the Hornets have played so far, LaMelo has picked up three fouls in the first half of three of the four games we've played. Um, so so it's, it's an astute and correct observation. Um, I think there's a little bit of a, a, a line to skirt here. Like, I, I don't think this is super alarming by any means, but I do have my antennas up a little bit. It's something that's a bit interesting. I think there's, there's two things I'll say. One, you don't want to hamper LaMelo Ball's defensive kind of anticipation, um, gambling, freestyle. freestyle. You, you don't want to stop that because I, I truly do think like on net, that is a positive for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, he, he made a, a particularly impressive kind of instinctual uh, defensive play late in this game. Um, I believe it was in regulation when Marcus Smart tries to throw the ball up the sideline. Mm -hmm. LaMelo just sees it happening before before Smart even does and, and kind of deflects it off Tatum and it goes out of bounds. You don't want to hamper LaMelo's ability to do those type of things, but what I will say, I feel like he's taken a ton of open court fouls to stop fast breaks, and I think the coaching staff may need to talk to him and say, Listen, like those aren't necessarily dumb fouls, but in the context of how important you are to this team, right? I think we we give up a layup rather than you taking your second or third foul in a half. So 
those would be the only two things I would say to it. I'm definitely watching it. I, I'm just not like super concerned about it. Now, if it happens three more times over the next two weeks, then we probably need to talk about it a little more. But but that's kind of where I'm at with it. There was a lot of that in this second half where the Hornets just had those like cheap fouls in the backcourt to stop a fast break. I feel like it happened like in a quick time span where like there was like three or four fouls just like that in a matter of five minutes. Yep. So I don't know if Danny, if you have any lasting thoughts on on that. No, I, I agree with that. It's just that when, you know, you know, in tonight's game, you guys mentioned earlier, they didn't play from behind. It was something that they were, they were in the game the entire game. I just realized when you look at LaMelo's numbers when it comes to minutes, like you said, you guys have seen it too online, is that it's a growing concern. He's not playing heavy minutes. But when you pick up these fouls and only play like eight to ten minutes the first half, you're asking JB to play LaMelo literally, you know, 18 to 20 minutes the second half so he gets close to 30. I think on any, on any other stretch tonight, I guess I get for me watching with LaMelo is that you get the good parts you know, this guy, you said, mentioned he's a shot, he's a shot maker, but then you have the parts where he's taking 30 foot three pointers with Robert Williams on him one-on-one when everybody, their mother and anybody who knows basketball, or nobody knows basketball, LaMelo gets by him with two steps. And it just gets to be a little bit like you start wanting to throw things, but you don't. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where you make 50% of your three point shots. You're going to kind of want to keep shooting those things. And he, he loves that deep three. He's actually been pretty good at that, like 25, 26 plus three point shot this year. So yeah, I would agree. It's one of those things where he's got to pick his spots and driving against the bigger guy. And Lee mentioned this earlier, but he drew a couple fouls when he actually did that. Eddie, do you have a question or a comment before we get uh, to another? I want to talk about one more player Lee before we wrap, but Eddie, I think is uh, requested to speak here. Oh, yes. Um, so, as you all were saying earlier, talking about, I guess, coming off a of back-to-back and, I guess, how deep we go in the bench, especially with LaMelo getting in foul trouble, I guess my question was, do you think James Borrego is just being slow with his use of James boot night, or, or how are things going? Because I was definitely thinking now with a back-to-back going on, I was thinking he was at least going to get some playing time, but I know it to be in a very close game that uh, James Riddle might be trying to save him. I, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to look for some insight. No, I mean, we, I don't think we know either, but yeah, I, I think the thing is with uh, Borrego, it feels like he also worked in LaMelo very slowly last year as well, not starting obviously with Devontae Graham playing and, it, you know, just kind of working up those minutes as the season went along. I would have thought, like we've talked about this before, I would have thought that he would have played more minutes uh, early in the season, especially considering the fact that Rozier, the guy that plays the same position as him, has been out for a couple of games here now to start the season. But I think it's more of, it was probably premeditated on Borrego's part to slowly work in James Booknight. I'm not sure that that you necessarily would have helped the Hornets win tonight by any means because there's, there's a lot that he's got to work on. Yeah, the, the only thing I would say, everything you said, Richie, and kind of just the, the, you know, just as a general rule, like it's super hard for rookie guards to have an impact, you know, unless they're just special, I mean, like LaMelo was last year, frankly. So, you know, obviously none of us are, are kind of privy to what James Booknight looks like in practice. We can kind of only go off of what we saw in the preseason and the summer league, which was a mixed bag, but there was certainly a, a decent amount of positive in that bag, I think, for, for Booknight in the preseason. 
one, I think one thing I would say is I have not been surprised by this, but tonight I was a little surprised only because, you know, Ish Smith has been fantastic and Cody Martin has also been fantastic off the bench. I thought this, if I'm, if I'm nitpicking, I thought this was probably Cody Martin's least effective game of the season so far. So seeing that in the first half, I was kind of thinking in the second half, particularly with Rozier and PJ out, we had to go to some really weird lineups in the second half um, that were devoid of kind of all sorts of, of, of playmaking and shooting. So I was kind of thinking, oh, Cody's hasn't been great tonight. Maybe this is where we see, you know, five minutes of James Booknight just to try and get a little bit of kind of a downhill scoring uh, punch off the bench. We didn't see that, and, and I don't think that's any calls for alarm. Um, we're four seasons into James Booknight's career. I, I think he will get opportunities at some point this season. But tonight was probably the first night where I was like, hmm, may, maybe we could have given him a short little opportunity um, because of the injuries and because of kind of the way the lineup configurations were playing out. So we'll see him eventually, um, but 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 not yet. We appreciate the question there, Eddie. So I want to end with this. Miles Bridges was named the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. 25 points per, 8 rebounds per, 2 assists per game in those opening three games. And then tonight played well. Uh, In addition, he had 25 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists. Shot the ball well, too, uh, just not well from behind the arc. I think the biggest thing with Miles Bridges, and I know that we've talked about this on end here, but his aggression and and his assertiveness and just his overall confidence – and knowing how he can play the game, like he just is so confident with what he can do. I think in the season preview pod with you and Spencer and myself, after listening back to it, I felt like I came away a little bit like down on Bridges, but that's really like far from the truth. I I think I've been on his bandwagon for like the longest time, probably dating back to the preseason of last year. I think what I was trying Mm -hmm. to say, maybe I didn't articulate it the best, but his skills last season, I think, were developed and not many people were watching. But the attention that he's now receiving this season is going to shed some light on the way that he was able to play last year. I think people are starting to catch on to that. But mm-hmm. I will say that he's probably making a bigger jump than I thought he would just based on the way that he's playing and the assertiveness that he's playing with. My favorite play uh, of this game from him was in the second quarter where – he got the ball on the right. It was it wasn't a basket by him. It was uh it was a pass. So he 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 got the ball on the right wing. He was dribbling, faked the DHO with Lamelo, and he basically put his head down and aggressively drove inside the paint, and it drew uh, Robert Williams over and left Ubre, I believe, open for a wide open three. So he makes the right read, kicks it out to him for the assist. Ubre, I felt like, what was he from behind the arc tonight? I felt like he did. I think it was five for ten. Okay, so yeah, we were we yeah. were making our threes, especially early but, on. But but he 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 made his first five. <laughs> oh okay, yes, made his first five, very consistent. And then missed his next five. Good. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so that was my favorite play from from Bridges tonight. You're just seeing little things here and there. It's not just the scoring, the aggressiveness, going after rebounds. Uh, trying to dunk on people. He did get dunked on by Jalen Brown, but we won't talk about that too much. But <laughs> I, I, th- I think just overall, like he's so much deserved that Eastern Conference Player of the Week, enjoying him so far. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you were on this from the very beginning or maybe even before the season, like you said last year, Richie, of kind of it, it being very important to watch the development of Miles Bridges off the dribble stuff. And 
Um, I think I think that that has taken another leap forward. So I'm right there with you. I think it's very very real. And watching Miles Bridges has been awesome. Do you want to end with Nick Richards? Do you have anything? Do you have any thoughts on Nick Richards and his uh, stint tonight? <laughs> Hey, look, I, I will say I've, I've been a proponent of Nick Richards kind of throughout the, this, uh, I guess, you know, year and some change that he's been with the Hornets. I've kind of maintained that I thought he was the slightly better prospect that, than Vernon Carey. I, I'm not going to take any victory laps after one game, but it was really nice to see him make some, make some important plays on a night where he kind of had to play because there was no PJ Washington. Right. So he had the N one on the, on the pick and roll with LaMelo. Yep, he had a quarter. couple, a couple big highlight blocks, a couple finishes around the rim. That's all you want to see from him. You know, I don't know how many, let's see, he, he was 14 minutes tonight. So in a, in a, in a night where he had to play some spot rotation minutes, that's, that's what's exactly what you want to see from him. So the Hornets continue to get a little deeper. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> I'm coming around on him. I think, like you said, if he can just provide defense and then be somewhat sufficient, somewhat efficient in the half court with pick and roll. And that's the one thing, too. I don't think any defense should ever double LaMelo because he's going to find that roller. And we were a little bit hesitant about Nick Richards in his hands, but he caught that ball, went up for the end one. And again, tonight he was solid, solid, even though he only played 13, 14 minutes tonight. So we're going to go ahead and wrap here. Thanks to everyone for joining on Twitter spaces, the upcoming schedule for the Hornets next three games, Wednesday versus the magic Friday uh, in Miami and then Sunday against Portland. So I think the game on Wednesday against the Magic would be a perfect game for them to bounce back and jump up to four and one. So we will end here for Lee. I am Richie. We will talk to you guys later. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.